and welcome to Hiding Under the Desk, a podcast for writers and creatives who have little confidence but big creative goals. This podcast is brought to you via The Red Fern, a Substack newsletter where I write about and demonstrate how I'm using midlife to shake off the fear, banish imposter syndrome and increase self-belief to achieve mine and your writing and creative ambitions. My name is Helen Redfern and I'm a self-confessed and confident writer but by taking tiny steps I'm working towards my writing goals every day. Today I'm delighted to be interviewing Zoe Lee, author of two psychological thrillers If He Wakes and The Secretary. I've known Zoe online for many years and have recently been following her TikTok journey. Marketing is often not easy for writers and creatives, but Zoe has thrown herself into it and has, in fact, credited TikTok with giving her confidence. This is her creative confidence story. Hello, Zoe, and thank you very much for agreeing to come onto Hiding Under the Desk, my brand new podcast. You have written two books, which have been both traditionally published. Can you tell me about your writing journey and how your confidence or lack of it has impacted your journey? Yes. And hello. And thank you for having me on. This is brilliant. Yeah. And I'm so happy to chat to you. Okay. So um, if I ramble too much, just tell me. No, I love rambles. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So writing journey. So like most people probably listen to this and yourself, I was writing since I was a kid. I had a wonderful experience when I was 16. I got published in Jackie magazine. I don't know that you remember. Jackie magazine. Yeah. So um, for the younger people listening, that was one of those old magazines, like really old magazines that had like the photos in, you know, the speech bubbles coming out and it used to do a lot of short stories. So I loved it so much. And so I remember I submitted a short story to them when I was 16, still in high school, and it got published. And I wrote to them for years, actually, until it folded. So uh, I was like writing for them, I think, when I went went into university. So that was like a a really major thing for me. And I was like, oh, yes, I'm a writer. And it was all the rest of it. But it did one thing as in it sort of kept me as a short story writer. So the magazine folded and carried on writing and life got in the way or whatnot, but I didn't actually write anything or submit anything else or have anything published for a long, long time. And I think that was due to lack of confidence because I was frightened of rejection, simple as that. Because I'd had that um, success early on, I thought, oh crikey, what if I submit somewhere else? And they're just like, and also the Jackie Magazine stories were a very particular type of story. It was boy meets girl. It was a very formulaic. It was boy meets girl and get together at the end. That's what I had written. That's all I could written. I was frightened of writing anything else. So for the longest time, I didn't do anything. Then fast forward to, I think I was in my twenties. I started having a go at writing young adult books. And I picked young adult because mainly because I wrote for Jackie Magazine, you know, and it was all that kind of stuff. 
And I stupidly believed that because young adult books were shorter, they'd be easier to write. <laughs> so I thought, oh, I'll have a go at that. So that got me into a flurry of lots of rejections, which is like, you know, death by a thousand cuts, isn't it? When you send in stuff out. And, but then when I look back at my old self now, I wasn't even writing the book. I was just doing the first three chapters and a synopsis and then sending it out. I don't know how I expected to get anywhere. Anyway, um, lots of rejections, writing young adult. Then fast forward, had kids, work, all the rest of it. And then I don't think anything really happened. I started various blogs, wrote various books, didn't get anywhere, had an agent at one point, lost the agent, nothing was published, uh, saving you all the boring bits, but got to a certain point, And I think I was, I think I just turned 40, had I? I don't know. But I just thought, all right, I'm gonna, am I gonna do this or am I not gonna do this? I've been, it felt like I'd been messing about with it for a while. Yeah. And so I saw that there was a Curtis Brown online writing thing and I think as I remember it's about 500 it was about 500 quid which which seemed a lot like you know like look back now and I'm like I'm totally believing in investing in yourself now but at the time I never paid anything for the writing it was like oh my goodness you know it's like a massive thing to like invest in myself and put money anyway I did it and I have to say that that's what changed everything and I think it was not that just like, oh, the course was brilliant. The course was fantastic, don't get me wrong, but it was the mindset of going, number one, I'm investing in it and I'm, I'm paying for it. And I'm going to show up and I'm going to take the time because it was a pretty intensive course and I'm going to sit and I'm going to do this. And at the end of it, I'm going to have something that I can work on that can become a book. This investment in yourself, I mean, I've seen that myself with mm. um, the clients that I have with my mentoring clients and the people within the Confident Creative Club, and they've made that commitment. They pay their membership fees. They are investing in themselves. Yes. And I do think that makes a massive difference. But it's that bit before you make that decision that's the bit where you feel you're nowhere or that you feel what are you doing with it all how did you end up thinking right that's it I'm going to invest because I was reading you know in terms of research for for this podcast I was reading your blog and you uh, had written a blog post now let's see if I wrote it down stop telling yourself it's too late. Mm. And in that, you talk about giving up and feeling like a failure in your early 30s. So this was prior to doing the Curtis Brown course, was it? I just think, yeah. And I, th I think that that's like, a, a, just a, it was just a theme. It was just like a story I was telling myself over and over again. Like I got to 30 and I thought, oh, that's it now. Too old, too old. I've had my chance, you know, <laughs> 30, ridiculous. Got to 40 and thought, oh, that's it now. And, you know, that's it. 40 now, that's it. And it was always like, oh, you're too old. You've left it too late. You've not got enough experience. You've got no ideas. Your writing's rubbish. Nobody else was telling me that. Nobody else who I was, you know, like my husband would read my work. My friends would read my work. I was on online writing groups. Strangers would read my work and I'd have, you know, positive comments. And yet still this narrative was going on. And I think I just got, I think I just got fed up with it. But it took me, it took me a long time to go, right, am I going to, am I going to stop playing around with this? Uh, it was just torture because I think like a lot of people, you like, you'll write something, and you'll go, hmm, quite pleased with that. And you'll have that 
wonderful sense of accomplishment, which is what we love about writing, and the joy of seeing something come alive in front of you, you know, everything that we that we do writing for. And then you have this like small little bubble before you think, oh, I'm going to show it to anybody else, or before the voices, you know, attack. And I just thought, no, no, I don't want to like, you know, just give up. I want to sort of give it a final crack at the whip. So I think that's why that blog post came about because that story, that that whole mindset, it's like, I don't know where it comes from. It's like, nobody had told me that, Mm. you know, it was just all in my head. And yet I know I'm not alone in thinking that. And so, yeah, that's why I wrote the blog post. That's why I thought I'll do this. I'm going to commit to it all because that was the other thing that I was doing as well. I was like calling myself a writer. Well, no, it wasn't actually. I didn't even have it on my Instagram profile. I was like, oh, it's just a hobby. It's just something to sort of like, for, for why? To save my ego, you know, to say, so I wouldn't have to tell people that I was a writer. It's like, looking back now, it makes no sense. But at the time it was a huge, huge deal for me, I remember. And so I think once I said, right, if I'm going to be a writer, I'm going to call myself a writer. I'm going to tell people I'm a writer. I'm going to do it what validation am I waiting for? It was always like, oh, wait until you've got a book published. Wait until you've got an agent. Wait until, to what? Sunday Times bestseller. And then I could finally go, oh yes, I'm a writer. <laughs> what nonsense, how ludicrous. Yeah. So I think that that's where that blog post came from. If you're writing, you're a writer, you know, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, your story is so similar to mine. And, um, but for me, I, it was a couple of years ago, I felt that I was running out of time. Not, not that it was too late, although maybe that is part of it, but yeah, that I was running out of time to, to be the writer that I wanted to be. At the time I would have been 43. How crazy. I was running out of time. And whether it was because my son was doing his GCSEs, A-levels at the same time, and I suddenly thought, crikey, I've got a grown-up child now. Whether that had an impact on it, I don't know. But I suddenly thought, yeah, I'm running out of time. But it was from that moment that I decided, right, I'm going to do something. What am I interested in? confidence and creativity and that's when I started going in this direction and now I'm not published like you but I have written a book proposal um, that I will be sending in very soon but yeah it was a kind of turning point for me but it wasn't that it was too well maybe it was that I was thinking it's too late maybe I was thinking I'm running out of time if I don't do this by the time I'm 50 I'm never going to do it maybe I don't know I think it's I think like it's so crazy now because I don't know where these levels come from. It's not like we're all looking at a chart and going, well, I should be there by now. I should be there. Yeah. It's, it's all in our own heads. I mean, like my mum's just started writing. She's written. Like, she's on her way to reading a book. She's um, she's in the seventies. Like, who says it's too late? Who says it's too late? Where do yeah. these rules come from? It's never too late. No, never. Even on Twitter, I think I've seen people in their twenties worrying that they're running out of time because they don't have their 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 life mapped out they don't know what they're going to be doing so maybe it starts from that early age I mean at 18 19 we go to university and we're supposed to know what we want to study I did business it's nothing to do with what I'm doing now maybe on the marketing side but um yeah it's um 
it's a funny thing that we have going on in our heads. Yeah. But I, I do think it's absolutely fascinating. I do think that a lot of women um, who want to be writers or creatives have that kind of block where they mm. say there's no there's no point doing it now. Even a friend of mine, it, she didn't want to be a writer. She wanted to change career. She was in her 40s, said there was no point now. <gasps> I thought that was really sad. That made me really oh, no. sad. Early what, 40s. What did she want to change a career into? I think she wanted to study, um, you know, go to university and study psychology or something. And she just thought it's too yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. That's mm. so sad because as I'm approaching 50, I think I'm only just getting started. Like, you know, I'm yeah. really, really excited about the future. Mm. I think it is just a, a mental block. I mean, I would I would hate for anybody to suddenly reach 70 and go, why did I not do this? Why did I not do that? Yeah. Because I was I was worried about, you know, what somebody on Instagram would have said. <laughs> It's so crazy, isn't it? It oh is, God, that's what's going on in our heads. Yeah, and it's very, very common. And it's mm. it's nothing to feel embarrassed or shameful about even because it's so common. Everybody thinks like this, I think, the mindset thing. Mm. Mm. I know I did for the longest time. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it, I, it's something that I, I really do and want to sort of tackle more, I think. And that is why... I think that is part of the reason why I decided to embrace midlife and say that I was in midlife. And I use the word midlife in my profiles and on my Substack and things like that. So I think this is an exciting period of time for us. Um, I mean, there was kind of the fog of perimenopause for a while, but that's been dealt with. But um, I just I just feel that I am. I'm more feisty than I was yeah. in the 30s or late yeah. 20s. I, I don't know if it's probably the whole children thing and being bogged down in stinky nappies and milk. Yeah. But I feel that this is my time now. This is something that I want to do and sod everything else. This, I'm, Yeah. Do you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that I just suddenly thought, well, if not now, like, when am I going to do it? Like, you yeah. know, we get into this kind of, not that like, oh, we're getting old, we're getting to this time of age. It was just like, oh God, let's do it. Let's stop yeah. dreaming. Let's stop thinking. What's the worst, literally what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. So no yeah. one reads your blog. Your book doesn't sell. Yeah. You know, so what? You did it. You've got it out there. And that seemed more important than the whole, well, what will that girl who I used to do PE with at school think <laughs> if she reads it? Which is what seemed to be going on in my head in my 30s. I've no idea why. Yes. What What about my school friends? What will they think yeah. of what I'm doing? Won't they look yeah. at me? Because in my yeah. head, they're still 15 and 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also it's like, Oh, what about uh, the mums at the school gate? Yeah. What about so-and-so? You know, when our sons go together and she's going to go, have you written a book? And I'll have to go, oh, no, that wasn't me. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, ridiculousness. Stupid. Yeah. So silly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So talking of, you know, feeling like it was too late. So how old were you when you got your first book deal? 44. I know so we just worked this out, didn't we? I yeah. know. We worked this out <laughs> off air beforehand because neither of us knew how old we were and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and how long ago 2018 was. So we had to get the calculator yeah. out. So, yeah, you were 44. And what what happened? How did you get your first book deal? 
So I did the course at Curtis Brown, which uh, was really good, not only for investing myself, but giving me confidence. I met some brilliant, brilliant other writers there. And that whole being in a writer's group, submitting work, critiquing each other's work, I'd forgotten how, how valuable that was and how much I loved it. So I continued to work on that book. I finished it. And then as part of the Curtis Brown course, when you've got a, a book completed, they send it off to their agents and they will, you know, have a look at it. You know, it's, it was part wow. of the course. I'm not sure whether they still do it now, but back mm -hmm. then they did. So it went out. Um, I had a very, very rough first draft and quite a few agents were interested. So I then sent it off to, I was also submitting myself, sent it off to another agent, eventually picked an agent, got taken up, all madly exciting. Um, and I thought I'd made it, I had an agent, and then, <laughs> no. So <laughs> then we had to <laughs> rework the book. So I rewrote the book, rewrote the book, rewrote the book until it was able to go out on submission. It went out on submission, and I was prepared for the big deals and, you know, all this and the other. And no, that didn't happen. <laughs> but it did get taken up by Canillo, which were, back then was a digital printer, you know, digital first print. Yeah. And I was over the moon. And that was the book, yeah. If He Wakes. Yeah. And um, everybody was like, oh, it's not actually going to be in print. It's just going to be a Kindle book. And it is in print now. But at the time, it was just a, a digital, it was just an ebook. And by that point, what I'd been through and submitted and everything, I was like, yes, it's going to be a Kindle book. And yes, I'm dead proud of it. And yes, mm -hmm. I'm going to shout about it. Because at that point, I'd been through so much. I've been through so much. God, that sounds like I'd been through so much. No, I'd just been through the journey. Yes. And I think my confidence had gone, you're doing this now. You've submitted that hurdle. You, you know, you've got an agent. You've been through that. You've rewrote this book. You've got that. You've had the rejections. Who cares? You know, who cares what anybody else says? You've worked this. You're proud of it. Just accept that. You know, just stand in that. Don't give it the power of it to everybody else. Just yeah. go, no, this is mine. And so that was it. That was my first book. That was If He Wakes. Brilliant. I love that. Were you agentless when you had If He Wakes Out? No, I'm with the, that was with my agent. My that was, with, that, that yes. was through your agent. So then what happened in terms of The Secretary, your second book? So uh, If He Wakes came out and all oh, that was very exciting. It was lovely. And I'd also written The Secretary at that point. Very lucky that Piakos took that on and offered me a two book deal. So then I got the contract with Piakos through that. Wow, fantastic. Did you find um, when your first book went out, did you have worries? Because um, one of my worries is, or anxieties, or whatever you want to call it, is the one star review. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, the one star review. Did you struggle with that at all? And did it not your confidence? I don't even know if you've got one star reviews. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've got one star reviews. Yeah. Um, I remember I was on holiday when it when it came out and I had given myself a stern talking to and I was prepared because obviously having a book going into like a writer's group is very different to having it out there with everybody reading it. Yeah. And it on NetGalley, you know, no NetGalley with the yeah, yeah. You know, people that read it. And, and so the reviews were coming in because as part of being on NetGalley, you've got to submit a review. And the reviews started coming in and I was over the moon because we're all four and five stars, which was absolutely brilliant. However, I knew that not everybody's going to like every book. You know, I was well ready for the one star reviews. And this is going to be an unpopular thing to say, but I quite like the one star reviews. Because if I ever go into a book on Amazon and I see that they've just got a wash of four and five star reviews, it doesn't, I don't know why, it just doesn't ring true to me because yeah. not everybody can like every book. 
And I think once I realized that, and I thought, well, I don't like every book. And I've been onto books that other people have like raved about, you know, the, the best books. I think even Harry Potter has got a one-star review somewhere. <laughs> so if you look, if you look at those big reviews, you know, massive books, and how ridiculous that we should think that everybody should like every book. That's what makes this whole business so wonderful is that it's all, you know, personal opinion and you like this and you don't like that. So once I got my head around that, and I think I, I sort of took that into account because I thought, oh, what if a family member reads it? And it's, you know, it's a thriller. It's, it, it deals with quite dark themes if you wakes. So I was fully prepared for people to go, I couldn't read that. I couldn't read that because, you know, it was, um, it's a thriller. It's a psychological thriller. And it's, you know, it's not a, it's not an easy read. It's tense and all the rest of it. So I was prepared for that feedback. And I would often say to people, if they're like, oh, I'm going to read your book. I was like, really don't feel you have to finish it. If it's a do not read, it's a do not read. And I will not be offended. Just thank you so much for picking yeah. it up. And so the one star reviews don't really bother me. I'm just so pleased that somebody's taken the time to read it. And if the book has affected them that much that they're leaving a one star review, I've, you know, evoked a reaction. Yeah. It might not be the one I wanted, but, you know, it's a reaction. So I will read those reviews and I'll be like, OK, you weren't my ideal reader. You weren't right for this book, but but still, thank you so much for picking it up. So that's that was how I dealt with it, really. I think that is such a great way of dealing with that. And and that has helped some of my fear of that. Of really, fear. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because I don't know why, um, but I think that is the the one thing that has held me back all the all these years. But, but there will be people who don't like it. There's yeah. bound to be. Yeah. And yeah. you know, it would be wrong if there wasn't. If people mm. didn't like your work, then it would be really freaky. You know, yeah. if everybody loved it. Yeah, yeah, and it's all all also it's, it'll be a bit vanillary, I guess. Where yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's you know, not you, provoking a reaction on either side. Because if you have a great reaction... You've um, also got to have... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you've read books that you've just thought, well, this is a pile of rubbish. I'm not carrying on with this. And yet they've been, you know, there's there's been massive people who've liked them. Yeah. Like when I was a part of a book club, that was the thing I loved most when we'd have a massive discussion about, well, I love this character. Oh, I hated this character. Yeah. Well, when that happened. And again, that's the beauty of, of books. That's why we read, to discuss yeah. story. And so... Yeah. So how yeah. wonderful that we get to be part of that and make people hate it as well as love it. That's the way to look at it, really, I suppose. I love that. I really love that, Zoe. That's brilliant. <laughs> now, the other reason, and possibly one of the main reasons that I invited you on the podcast today was to talk about your marketing and how you market your books and your TikTok journey. Um, <laughs> because for those of you um, who are listening to this and don't know, but Zoe has, um, you created a TikTok account quite a while ago. And then you, I don't think you did much with it for a while. Um, but then in the last few months, it has really taken off. And I was going through your feed yesterday and um, actually, it might have been your Instagram feed as well. And some of your your reels are, what do you call them on TikTok? Are they just TikToks? I don't know. just videos, yeah. Yeah, yeah. just videos. But some of them are getting thousands and thousands of views. And equally, you have been quite transparent in, in saying that when you talk about your books on TikTok, that you get a, a, a spike in your sales. So I know marketing 
whether you have got a novel published, whether you have written an essay, whether you've written an article for Medium or whatever, people struggle to talk about their writing, to share their writing and say, hey, I've written this. What do you think? Or go out and buy it. But you are just embracing it. And I love it so much. So can you tell me a little bit more about your Instagram slash TikTok journey and how you put yourself out there and what you had to do in terms of confidence and 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 fear and all that sort of stuff <laughs> in order to do that? Yeah, so I loved Amsterdam. I think, you know, Instagram, I absolutely loved it. Really, mm. really loved it. And this was when I was writing, if you wake. So back then... I was preparing, I thought, right, I'll build up my Instagram account so that when I've got a book out, I'll have this platform and, you know, I'll have able to go, hey, everybody, here's my book. You know, mm-hmm. I, everybody was like, you, you know, they'd go out and buy it. And that was the big plan. So back then, Instagram was a different beast to the one it is now. And it was all lovely photographs. And so my Instagram account didn't have my face on it. It was nice pictures of the books I was reading um some nice warm socks on my feet and a cup of tea yeah I remember them (laughs) yeah and then I um got into a habit of going out because I live in a wonderful lake district I'm lucky enough to live like in a beautiful place and I like reading outside so I would take my book with me and I took pictures of like an open book with the lake district landscape behind and my Instagram account kind of took off for that style of picture yeah so I got to 10,000 followers through that kind of aesthetic that kind of account and then my book came out and I was like, ta-da! And it was crickets because my followers yeah. weren't interested in what I was writing or what I was producing. They just wanted to know another nice book with a nice pretty background. Thank you very much. So <laughs> it didn't work. It didn't work at all. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. There was, a, there was a bit of like, you know, but there wasn't like a massive uptake. There wasn't, I wasn't flooded with messages going, we have waited for this book for so long. Like, you know, it was like nothing. So fell out of love with Instagram a little bit. And then TikTok was around and we were in the dark years of COVID, I think around this time, 2020. And I remember everybody talking about it as in my son and his friends and boredom, she boredom, I went on. I did a video which was nothing to do with books. It was about homeschooling. It was me pouring out some wine, like I can't face this cup homeschooling. It lasted five seconds. I put it up there because basically I just wanted it to send it to my mum friends in my little WhatsApp group. That was all it was for. I left it on TikTok and didn't realise, but it got it it went it went off. It went vi- viral. I don't know whether to say that word, but it got nearly a million views. Oh my goodness. Yeah, of me and my dressing gown pouring wine. So <laughs> I was like, damn, why wasn't I holding my book? Why wasn't I talking about my book yeah. or anything? Um, it was never meant to be seen by anyone. My son was horrified. Um, I looked at the app and I was like, what? Do I have to start dancing now? Yeah. A million people is a lot of people. So I didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. I just sort of thought, oh, we'll leave that. And, you know, will just forget because that's a lot of people. Um, I am kicking myself for that decision now back then when I had the time and when TikTok was still as it was in 2020. Um, yeah. Then I think the next time I went on to it when I was hearing about how much book sales were happening for the self-published authors, 
because there can be very, they get all the data and, and in Facebook groups, they were sharing, how, they could see the spikes in the sales from when they talked about their books on TikTok. So I thought, I really need to look into this because I am, you know, uh, I'm obsessed with social media the same way I was with Instagram. I thought, oh, let's have a look. So I went on, did a few lip syncy videos, a few funny videos just for enjoyment, um, followed some other authors, thought it was quite funny seeing us all doing these daft, you know, lip syncy things. Didn't really pay much attention to it. And then I must have seen another self-published author with, you know, I kept on hearing about it all the time. It sells books, it sells books. The people over there are brilliant. So I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to have a look at this and I'm going to do it seriously. And I can't even remember now what, 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 what I did or what I was just talking about, whether it was, I can't even remember the TikTok that I did that I thought I could see a, a real correlation to where I'd spoken about my book. I'd spoken about Ify Wake. So how old was it be now? It would be like a book that was two years old. Wasn't a new, you know, it wasn't like a shiny new book or a pre-order or whatever. And I went back and as I'm traditionally published, I only have a spike in sales. I can only see that. So there was a spike there. And I thought, this is from being on TikTok. And I had three messages that said, oh, I've bought your book. Oh, I've bought your book. Just from a little video that I'd done. And so that was enough to sort of get me very interested in wow. this opportunity and how it works. And it kind of just went from there. And so I've been experimenting with the book sales on there, but also sort of what I really love is helping other authors and telling other authors how to go about creating these sales and why they should be on TikTok and what it's done for me. And I think I've got TikTok to thank for my confidence now. I don't think I'd be where I'm at now if it wasn't for TikTok. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that sounds so crazy, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, that was so good. I'm going to use that in the. In the <laughs> <laughs> that is really interesting that yeah. you've got TikTok to thank for your confidence. Totally. Because I remember I went on the first time and it was, it must have been, oh my God, it was only Christmas last year because it's all happened so quick. Mm. Uh, we went away for a family Christmas and all my nieces and nephews were there. And I was like, oh, I'm on TikTok. And they're like, you're on TikTok? Like, you know, I was like, yes, I am. And I remember my sister going, I think that's really embarrassing. You know, I think you're making a fool of yourself. No, in all seriousness, she took me to one side. She was like, I think it's, you know, I think you need to, you know, what you're doing. Like, you know, because at this time I was just doing lip syncing videos. Yeah, I was yeah. just playing around. And I, I went, went to bed that night and I had a chat with my husband and I said, what do you think? And he said, I think they're great. He said, you're having a ball. You're getting out there. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. So I thought, right, okay. So I spoke to my children to make sure that they were okay with me doing it because my son by this time was like, yeah, it's fine. TikTok's changing, which it is because oh. everybody thinks it's a dancing app for young kids. It's totally not that at all. It's completely changing. So um, I checked that they were all right with it. And then I went into it full throttle. And I think I started just after Christmas as in like, right, okay, I'm going to give this a go. And it was terrifying at first. Like, you know, it's easy doing a lip syncing trending video. So that's where you must have seen them, where they've got the music and yeah. you the mouth, the words, or do this pointy thing where you point to text. Yeah. They're only like five seconds, seven seconds. They're quite easy to do. TikTok's got an array of filters. So even if you haven't got any makeup on, you can look beautiful. You can change your hair color. So you can hide. You know what I mean? You can hide. Yeah. Um, but even that was a big deal. I still had the, oh my God, what if, you know, Sue from the co-op sees it? And she's like, <laughs> <laughs> what if, you know, my yeah. teacher sees it and they're like, you're on TikTok. And that lasted for a week. 
until I made the massive realization that no one cares. <laughs> no one cares. You, you think that all these people are so interested in your life and watching you and have got, you know, alerts on the phone as if there's some weird kind of stalkers and that they're all discussing you and all the rest of it. And the fact of the matter is that everybody only really interested in themselves. Nobody really cares what anybody else is doing. And once I realized that, it was like freedom, <laughs> freedom. And so the more I did it, the more I didn't have anybody coming up to me going, you know, like my sister did that one time, you're making an idiot of yourself. Nobody has said that to me since. In fact, one person at Schoolgate said, you're a bit of a TikTok queen, aren't you? That was all I've had, all I've had. Other than that, nobody I know I don't think has, has really seen them because the wonderful thing about TikTok is that it's different to the Instagram algorithm. So Instagram is based off a social graph. I don't know whether you know this, whether I'm telling things you already know, but that will put it out to people who are in your contacts on Instagram. So your friends, your family. And so in that instance, you have to think, well, I'm making content, but it's not for my friends or family. This is for my ideal reader. Yeah. So you have to sort of get in that mindset. The beauty of TikTok is that TikTok is on a suggestive based and, you know, it's suggesting things because TikTok just wants to keep people on the TikTok app. So it goes through whatever that viewers um, likes are, whatever they've commented on, whatever they've watched for a long time and just shows them those videos and it shows new people your videos all the time. So mm -hmm. it's not going out to people who are in my contacts or uh, my friends. It's going out to new people all the time. And once I realized that about the TikTok algorithm, I was like, wow, you know, this is not going to be people in my social circle. This is going to be people all over the world, yeah. people who don't know me. And that was quite freeing. And so once you're doing that every day and you're like, yeah, I've just put that up. And yeah, I've just filmed a video in my car. And look at me, I've just done a five second video and put it out there. And I've not even checked how many views I've got an hour later. Once I reached that stage and I was just doing it for fun and doing it because I thought I can, I've got information that I can help people about and got giddy about trying to help other authors and stuff and just wanted to tell them like I would tell a friend. Then I just thought, oh, I'm quite confident at this now. And so it was through that. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. I I'd ramble. No, <laughs> it, you're, it's so fascinating. And the fact that not only have you gained confidence, but you're also selling more books as well. Yes. Um, yes. It, it's all a win-win. And everything. It's like leaked out into all of the areas. So my email list subscribers have, have, have gone through the roof. Um, it follows on from TikTok people then go and find you on other platforms. So my yeah. Instagram is back for the first time I'm gaining followers on Instagram in ages. I was stagnant for so long. Now I'm up on followers on Instagram. Um, people are, are emailing, they're just chatting. And I've got that kind of lovely, not alone feeling that I had for ages where it just felt like I was shouting into the void yeah. or I just do this little post and I'll just keep it quite small. And there we are, I've done that. Now I'm like, hello and people are going hello back and it is lovely yeah that is brilliant the fact that <laughs> oh i'll just put a little post out there but keep it quite small yeah. i have seen my i have witnessed myself doing that <sighs> um, oh i best not be too loud about it because i might annoy people or they might think i'm a too salesy or whatever yeah. Um, and and the fact that you're out there, you're saying hello and shouting <laughs> and saying this is, you know, 
what I'm doing. This is what I'm talking about. And come along and join me. It's really powerful. Yeah. And everybody, I mean, touch, touch wood, but everybody has been so lovely. I mean, I knew that bookstagrammers were some of the loveliest people. Book talkers are brilliant. They will buy the book like that. They're just like, watch your book, watch your book. I'm buying it. They buy it so quick and they are so supportive. And writers, other writers and other authors, oh, they are the best people in the world. The support, everybody cheering everybody on. Even though it's not on my list of things to do because I have to keep focused, otherwise I, I go off on tangents and then I have to backtrack. Um, but it is something that I would like to look at at some point. Um, oh, you must, you must. Yeah. Honestly. You'd love it, you'd love it. And the thing is, you don't even have to show your face. You can start off, most book sales actually are what the page flips. You've seen the page flip videos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, authors are making a ton of money. Well, I say a ton of money, but they're making money, you know, yeah. off just doing the page flip videos, not even showing the face. But I like showing the face because I like the community. Yeah. I like talking to people. So, you, you know, you can get on there. You don't have to be superbly, you know, doing dances, lip syncing, all of that. The platform is there for whatever you want it to be there. But yeah. here's the thing, and it's like, I think I said this on one of my TikToks. We've all written books. We've all got things that we've we've written. And out there, somebody is going to read what you've written and it'll be the best thing they have ever written, ever read rather. But yeah. I believe for everything that's written, there is a reader out there who is going to love it. But they won't love it if they don't know it's there. And so as a writer, you can't expect people to just come along and find you. It's it's It doesn't work in this day and age. You've got to go out and find your reader. And you are doing them a disservice if you don't go, I've written this for you. You are my ideal reader. Look, I've written this for you. You're going to love it. And that's what we need to do. And that's why we should be doing it. Zoe, that is just, I'm shaking my head because it's just <laughs> so true and so brilliant and so wise and so inspiring. So mm -hmm. I think that is such a great place to leave it. Um, but before we go, I do like to ask all of my guests, um, she says, as though she's been doing a podcast for years, <laughs> um, um, to give me a book recommendation. So um, have you got a book that you could recommend? Yeah, I've got three. Is that okay? Yeah, of course it is. Okay, because I've read these two books early. They're out next year, but they are both brilliant. The first one is, and both fiction, and then I've got a factual one. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Brilliant. The first one is The Ugly Truth, and it's the LC North, and it's out on the 16th of March, and it's they're both great. And the second one is The Beach Party, and that's by Nikki Smith, and that's out the 6th of July. I was lucky enough to read early copies. They're both fabulous. They're both out next year. And then the factual one, I've got it here, I'll show you. Story Genius. Have you read it? No. Oh, it's so good. Story Genius by Lisa Cron. I think that's how you say her last name. It's just really good. It's all about um, the emotional pull, the internal and external, when you're writing a fictional novel. And it's helped me load. So that was my factual book recommendation. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And seriously, Zoe, this interview has been absolute gold. It's oh. so interesting to to hear about published authors that we think have got it all made and, they, <laughs> <laughs> and that it's been an easy journey and you don't see what's going on, you know, prior to being published and, and all the issues that you have going on in your head. And it's been really interesting talking to you, really inspiring and motivating. And I love your TikTok journey and, mm. um, 
Um, I do think it's fascinating. And I also, um, I'm going to link all of your links in the show notes. And I think you said you had two accounts, right? Did, is one mm-hmm. of them the, the page flipping? Yes, I've got two accounts. One where, on, and this is on TikTok, where I talk about things that work for authors, where, you know, this is how maybe you should do it. This is how put your link in a bio, the practical stuff and things yeah. that work for me. And then my other account, which is just an experimental account, really, which I don't, I post on it where I think, mm, that's an idea. Could it work? And I don't, yeah. I don't, so I don't, it's not, I'm not really much on that other account. That's my page flips. That's maybe a transition or where I'm just playing about with an idea. Yeah. So there's two accounts there. Um, I think, I think I, I can't, I'll give you the name of them both though. So yeah. Can, and yeah. I will, I will put them in and I'll link your Instagram. I'll link your book <laughs> as well, um, and everything like that, because um, I, I, I think, like I say, you're really inspiring, really motivating. Um, so yeah, it will be a pleasure to do so. So thank you very much. Zoe. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Thank you, Zoe, for such a fabulous interview full of insightful points. You can find Zoe on Instagram and TikTok at Zoe Lee Writer, and I'll pop her books and other details in the show notes. See you next time.